This week I've got the man himself on. Whippet is joining us. He's just done a 24-hour swim as he heads towards an English Channel swim. Mate, how are you? Mate, I'm really good, thanks. A uh, little bit tender in the shoulders and the mouth, uh, but apart from that, I'm, uh, I'm feeling good. Yeah, looking at some of the uh, videos you did on Insta over the weekend, I'm amazed you can even talk because your tongue looked like it was bigger than your shoulders. Mate, it's uh, a side effect of long-distance swimming in salt water is uh, a swollen tongue, and uh, yeah, it doesn't make talking the easiest, not to mention lack of sleep and uh, uh, and a few Ks in the pool, I was pretty buggered. Yeah, well, mate, let's rip in. Welcome to the Body Science Podcast. As always, the information contained in this podcast is for the information purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or be prescriptive to treat, prevent, or manage any injury, disease, or other health-related condition. <laughs> Welcome to Body Science HQ, the world of fit, happy, healthy. And at the end of this, I'm going to throw in Whip It, raising money for Ocean Heroes, heading off on a massive journey in, is it August, mate? You're going to swim the English Channel? Yeah, August, late August. So, mate, what, look, before we rip into a little bit about you, why do you want to swim the English Channel? Mate, the English Channel, I guess it's for anyone who's done any ocean swimming or spent time swimming, I guess it's kind of like our Everest. Um, you know, I wasn't much of a swimmer growing up. I surfed a lot as a kid. I got into ocean swimming sort of in my 20s, and, uh, and I find it really enjoyable, and it actually really helped me, you know, in bigger surf, knowing I could swim comfortably kilometres in the ocean. So if I ever got in trouble and yeah it's something I've kept doing and yeah I just it's a bit of one of those milestone things that bucket list things that you can tick off and do and I've had a few of them over the years so this is probably the biggest challenge yet. And mate you've had a pretty cool like how old are you these days? Whip are we allowed to talk about that? Like a lot of people don't like telling their age. I'm, I'm clutching on to 38 for another couple of weeks. Clutching on to 38 I love that. Mate let's let's talk a little bit about you because you've you've lived a pretty cool lifestyle from actor pro surfer uh, back to being one of the gurus of Bondi with Bondi Rescue. I mean, that was that thing's a juggernaut in itself. You also have a very established fitness business that I guess a lot of people don't even know. I mean, the Sydney crew would, but people in fitness wouldn't understand. Like um, your setup is something very unique in that space too. So, mate, let's um, that's quite a checkered career for someone who's thirty eight. How do you um stay in one place? Let's start there. Like, sounds like a mate. It's uh, I guess the the TV stuff I did as a kid. I sort of just fell into that, to be honest. Like that time and away, wasn't it? Tended to be an actor. Um, I never had aspirations to do do that. But uh, a, a couple of mates of mine got into a Coddy's commercial and they got paid 50 bucks and got free cordial for a whole day. And I was like, are you kidding? A day off school, 50 bucks and free cordial? I'm in. And I literally joined an agency with my brother and sister at the time. And then a few weeks later, they said, oh, there's an audition going, blah, blah. There's 300 kids going for it. It'll be good practice for you. But then, And that was it. Like that got whittled down from 300 to 50, 50 to six of us. And we went out to the Channel 7 studios and did an audition out there with um, Nicole Dixon, who was Bobby, who was going to play my mum. Yeah, and, that, and then they rang and said, oh, you've got the job. It's a five-week stint. And then after the five weeks, wrote the character back in for sort of like another 10 weeks. And then it just extended on. And I ended up doing nine years without leaving. So, yeah. And then went back and forth a few times after that. So Well, you sort of just playing <laughs> yourself. Like, were you, were you playing who you were as a kid? Pretty much. Yeah. Just a cheeky little shit. Yeah. Giving the town hell. And, um, yeah, he was, he was just, you know, your average little little surf bum in a town like that and having a good time. Sounds like pretty much like me. And, mate, did you have to give up a lot as a kid too? Because obviously that's filmed a fair way from where you live and it's filmed yeah, – it was- 
three or four times a week. Is that right? Yeah, I used to, you know, studio was at Epping, which mm. is about an hour drive from where I live. And then Palm Beach is where all the outdoor stuff's done. And that's sort of like an hour, 15, hour, 20 minutes. So there was a lot of travel. And, you know, as a kid, it sort of just, I started so young that it just became part of my routine. And I never really noticed, to be honest, I didn't think of it much. Getting up at 4, 4.30 in the morning to go to work just became normal. And not going to school was kind of normal and doing schoolwork on set when you have a little break and, you know, trying to catch up. My mum was incredible uh, with my schooling. She was a, a teacher's aide at the high school that I ended up going to in Sydney. So, yeah, she sort of knew that system and, and how to keep me from falling too far behind. So, yeah, always had good teachers and they it was kind of weird no no other kids were really on tv at that time like mm. so young kate richie obviously done it and then another couple of kids here and there but yeah there wasn't you know it hadn't been done a lot so there was a lot of learning for teachers and me to try and keep up but we got there in the end and i wouldn't say i'm a scholar of the <laughs> highest degree but um i got through school so that was all right yeah, well, I'm not going to throw any stones that way, so don't worry. From a perspective, like just playing in that, you know, young kids doing things in spaces like being an actor, were you still able to play team sports like footy and stuff at that age or did it just consume you? May it, it consumed a lot of my time. But one thing that they were really quite good at, at, you know, in the production team was still allowing me to do things to keep me sort of living a normal life. So, yeah, I did keep playing footy on the weekend, which they weren't stoked about when I turned up with scratches or bruises <laughs> or when I finally broke my leg on a footy field and turned up on Monday after filming all the outdoor stuff one week running around and then going inside and having plaster up to my knee. Um, that was an awkward phone call for my mum <laughs> to the production manager. But, um, yeah, they were pretty good and they were understanding and they knew that, you know, that's that was what I loved outside of home and away and, and working was to, to do my sport and to be able to play footy with my mates and surf and do school carnivals. So they were pretty understanding and, and I really appreciate that. Now looking back, I think that made a big difference to how comfortable it made my life at school as well, that I could still contribute and still be a part of those team sports um, and on the weekends rather than just having to give it all up and live in a bit of an isolated sort of childhood, I guess that would have made it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Could be a tough one. Something that surprised me was when I first met you was and you know we just started talking you started talking a lot about surfing and all that and you know showed me a couple of pictures of yourself holy shit you can surf all right but that was that was something that was really part of your life growing up wasn't it you really wanted that that competitive surfing yeah i was um i grew up at brony beach and competitive competitive surfing was pretty popular and we had some amazing talents come out of the beach rod kerr obviously everyone knows him he was right up there in the world tour but then you know, a bit older than, younger than him, older than me, obviously, was Luke Hitchings was next, Tom Whitaker, and they all made the world tour and surf there. And then, you know, even guys like my brother and Aaron Graham and all the older boys used to surf so good that I just wanted to copy them and do what they did. And so surfing for me was something I just loved doing every day. I was lucky to live close to the beach and I could run down before school, after school, all day on the weekends, whenever I wasn't working or doing something else i was uh, i was in the surf and yeah grew up and idolized those guys above me that competed and wanted to do that so yeah i sort of took a bit of a path of competing on the junior series around australia and then a couple of comps here and there around the world and yeah it was an awesome time and something i look back on and i've met so many good mates yeah. out of surfing and um yeah, you know, like whether you make it to the top level or not, if you're enjoying the lifestyle and you're, you're having a good time and, you know, you, you, I got to travel and see and surf so many cool places. And as I said, the people I met, I'm still mates with now 20, 30 years on. So, yeah, it was it was an epic time and surfing something I've, I've never stopped doing and I don't want to stop doing until I'm too old and too sore. So, yeah, and now I get to share it with my kids and that's yeah. even more important than me doing it by myself. You might have a couple of pro surfers in that little group too, just quietly. 
There's some um, some good imagery going around on uh, your Insta in that space. Yeah, the boys are loving it. And they're right into it now. So, it's um, yeah, it makes it so easy for me to – I look at a swell report now and if it says two foot, I'm stoked because I can get both the boys in the water and we can just have a hell time. And I'm just waiting for number three to get big enough to stand up and we'll start walking and then he's out there with us. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, mate, was that why you went into lifeguarding because you just had that passion for the beach? Is that- yeah, I think like growing up down the beach, I, I you know I was a part of nippers and stuff like that, and then uh, yeah, I took on the surfing and travelled a lot surfing, and then when I came back from like a year or so of travelling and surfing, I wasn't working, um, but I was spending a lot of time at the beach, and uh, and Kerbox actually said to me, mate, you spend enough time down here, you could get paid for eight hours a day <laughs> to be here, and you, and you were here for about ten, so and I was like, really. Right, let's do it. I actually moved to the Gold Coast to do a diploma in sports management, and it was when I finished that up that I went back and, and jumped on the beach and started lifeguarding, sort of thinking that it would be an in-between job, looking for something else, and yeah, just sort of stuck it out for a few years, and 18 years later, I'm still doing it, and in a casual, like I'm just down there a little bit now, and, and I love it. It's it's one of the best jobs you could ever have, and it's, you know, every day you go there, there's a different challenge, there's a different thing that gets thrown at you, so it never gets old, especially as a casual doing days here and there it just never feels like it it, it sort of bore, it gets boring there's a cool tribe of people down there in that space too isn't there well that's the other thing you're sitting in the best office in the world with a bunch of your mates and you know it's a, it's pretty easy to uh, have a good time yeah and mate how did the bondi rescue concept come to play in this space like obviously you're you're one day you're lifeguarding and doing your thing next thing you're a rock star worldwide and how many countries is it played in now I think it's in like 200 countries or like something that like that. Like it's something pretty proud ridiculous. Of. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and it came about the year I started. Another guy, Benny Davies, he started lifeguarding that year as well. He'd worked in the TV space before with some travel shows, and and the first year was crazy. There was like 12 resuscitations, a bunch of spinals, all this stuff happened, and he was looking at it going, "This is ridiculous." And I've lived here and watched the boys my whole life, and never knew it was that hectic. And so yeah, he he sort of was like, "There's a TV show in this for sure," and you know, he went to a film crew and a production company and they came down and we, we literally thought that it was going to be a half hour to a one hour documentary just to showcase what lifeguards do. And they, within, they had a grant to film for three weeks and in that three weeks they got like four episodes. And so they filmed a couple more weeks and got a six six episode series. I mean, we, we honestly didn't think it would ever make TV. We were just going to be cut up on the, <laughs> on the cutting room floor, whatever they call it. And um, yeah, it came on TV and people loved it. You know, for Australians, they, they can relate to it because they've been to the beach and they've seen it and they've probably experienced getting rescued or seen someone get rescued and then for overseas people it's it's their escape from a cold English winter or whatever like to watch people in bikinis and boardies at Bondi they love it so that's always you know it's what made I guess Home and Away so popular as well is that summertime yeah. vibe and Bondi Rescue is the epitome of that and it's filming us at the beach and you know we're all having a good time and I think other people just got captivated by that and yeah enjoyed watching it. It was back in the early days. I mean, when you look at some of the Bondi footage, rescue footage, the, the beach at times is just unplayable. Like it's so many people. And what are there, six of you guys or eight of you guys on it? Yeah, on a, on a busy day, there'll be um, yeah usually six, maybe eight of us yep. over the busy period. And we can get up to 40,000 people down the beach. And so it's kind of like... Was it like that in the early really, days? Or did you guys draw a lot of that because it's such a popular brand name now, that Bondi Beach? Like, I think it's just Bondi itself. Just Bondi yeah, itself, yeah. I mean, it's iconic and it's Australian. Obviously, the last few years with COVID, crowds have been down a lot. Um, but before that, when you know all it was on a summer's day was to go to the beach and hang out. And Bondi is probably the most popular beach 
in the world, if not Australia, definitely Australia, if not the world. So, you know, it's it just draws a big crowd and it draws an awesome crowd of people from, from everywhere. You know, mm. you've got people from, from the locals to the people from the western suburbs from all around Australia coming and then you've got the whole world coming down as well. It's actually a really cool place to sit and people watch. And, yeah, that's that's what makes our job so interesting is the different people you see, the people you watch, and but the big crowds, they get pretty chaotic. And for six of us or eight of us to try and maintain a bit of somewhat control over that, it's pretty tough. And you don't, from, from a perspective, you often watch the show and you think, why don't they just tell this person what to do? But you, you, you got to remember your lifeguards, aren't you? You're not you're not crowd control. You're not all the things that come with the beach. And that makes it really difficult for, like, you watch the show. And, I mean, I used to love watching Kerbox on it because he was just, I love the way he handles people and I still love the way he handles people today. But you, I guess what a lot of people don't understand is you sign up as lifeguards, but you crowd control. You are rock stars because your, your brand is pushed out to 200 countries around the world and you actually don't get paid by Bondi Rescue do you it's not yeah so it's not a show people come to to see you I guess that's the difference between it and other reality tv shows or even you know obviously shows where there's actors in there is we're we're getting paid to do our job by the council Mm. and um they came down and filmed and as I said at the start we never thought anything of it so you know we we never really had any visions of it lasting more than a year or two so at the start and then it's kind of just grown and grown and it's it's one of those things it's the opportunities that come from it though the people you've met the places we've been able to travel to and some of the cool stuff we've been able to do with schools and and remote communities and stuff because of the bondi rescue brand that makes that makes it worthwhile and um yeah i wouldn't you know you wouldn't change it for the world but i guess it does put a bit of pressure on your job because everything you do you watched yeah. and down there you scrutinize people are taking photos they're filming you and you know some people are doing it because they're frothing on the show and other people are doing it because they want to catch you out and try and sell it or you know see one of the boys drunk in a pub or whatever you know like so yeah it's it's a bit of a double-edged sword but you know as i said i would never change it because the opportunities that it's given myself and a lot of the other boys to do some pretty cool stuff is is definitely more more better than the uh than the negatives and mate you do a lot of the um the safety for surf events too don't you like some of the um mark matthews fear am i using the right word terminology cape fear events and all that type of thing what makes you want to jump in that water like that's just when you watch that it's a big heaving hunk of water landing on shallow rock like that's uh for those people out there that don't surf that's a really simplistic way to put it but um for me like as a surf enthusiast and someone who's done that their whole life like you always want to push yourself uh in the surf and you know i've always i've never been a big wave surfer but i've always liked trying to challenge myself and get out of my comfort zone when it gets big and you know having surfed ours or cape fear a bunch of times myself when the opportunity came up to be on the water safety team for the red bull event that they were holding i jumped at the chance and um myself and dean gladstone uh, and quinn dara sort of got the job as the rescue swimmers so we'd get dropped off on the jet ski swim in and make sure they were right if they weren't we'd help them out and then get picked up by the jet ski after like a wave or two so mate for me i was just frothing to be involved it's the best event on the calendar and yeah i was i got a front row ticket to the greatest show in in my mind that surfing's really put on it and uh it was, a, it was a crazy couple of days that big year. I think it was 2016. Yeah, and one that'll go down in the history books for oh, it was amazing slab surfing. So yeah. yeah, I was just stoked to to be at the front row and got to watch it all. Yeah, and uh, some of the true nuts of the old body science family like Richie Vass that day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that guy has a big Rich. set. He has a massive yeah, set. Massive for a small man. I don't know where he hides them, but uh, yeah, he, uh, he certainly got a big set there. And he, he, yeah, he's um, you know, Rich, Rich and I have grown up together and surfed together a lot. Yeah. 
and uh, he's probably the most fearless bloke I've ever come across um, in and out of the water. And, you, you know, you see that in his fighting style and on land and then in the water, what he does is ridiculous. So, um, yeah, it was awesome to be there with watching your mates, which was also made it kind of more scary because you're looking at some of your best, you know, mates you've had for a long time really put themselves in, you know, near-death situations yeah. and then pop up and want to go and do it again. And, uh, yeah, so it was, it was kind of gnarly, but also really awesome at the same time. I didn't think he was coming up from that one that he took off on where he took a dive, like... Yeah. That was... Uh, I, I remember going in and I was like, Rich, Rich, you all right? And he goes, Ryan, I'm fine, with a big smile on his face. And I was like, mate, please don't do that again, eh? <laughs> Give me a heart attack over here. He is mad. He's... Do you have to be a special group or specially trained to do that type of thing? Because you're out on pretty much water that I believe most Australians think you shouldn't swim in. Um, yeah. There's also under the water as well as on top of the water. Yeah, it's um, it's a really good group. The guys at ProGuarding, uh, Azza and the boys there who own that business who've got the contract for the first, like for the, the Cape Fear event and, and a lot of other things, they, they have such a good system in place. And the training that we do, like we spent days down at, at the where the wave is at um, Cape Salander there, training, working out the rocks, climbing up the rocks, looking to see if we could, you know, float things that can help us. We had a pontoon anchored to the ground. So if anyone got injured, which did happen with Jughead, when he knocked himself out and cut his head, that was treated as a spinal. You know, like we, we were able to get him from in, in the dangerous way, like right near the rocks and get him out onto a safe pontoon. Then if we had to airlift, we had practice for that. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty awesome group of guys that have been involved in the event since it started. And, um, and we all take pride in making sure that we're up to date with our fit, you know, like we're as fit as we can be. We've, we've done all our training so that if anything happens, um, you know, you've got each other's back and you know that whoever else is there is as capable as anyone in the world to be able to help you out. So, um, yeah, I know the surfers, you know, I guess they put their lives in our hands, I guess, but we also understand how talented they are and they're the best big wave surfers, some of them, you know, like they're as good as they get anywhere around the world. So when they take off, we're pretty confident that they're either going to make it or if they don't make it, they're going to hopefully fall safely enough that, that it's not too bad an injury. Wow. It's crazy, crazy. Mate, let's get back into the, where you're at the moment. Like, you, you've started a really successful fitness business in um, that gym space. How did you, wh where did that come into play? What made you say, I'm going to get into fitness? It's, it came across um, a really good mate of mine, Trent Langlands or Changa Langlands. Um, he, he was starting a business and I was just kind of working on the beach, blah, blah. And I'd been boxing with him for a few years and um, he asked me to help out with some boxing classes and that turned into helping out with some circuits. I'd done my personal training certificates and it was something that I was always interested in was my own personal fitness and then the other people's fitness. You know, I love being around people. Mm -hmm. um, and that's sort of where I find I'm at my best is when I'm working with other people and, and you know, improving not only myself but helping other people get better. I, I really enjoy that. And, um, and yeah, he, uh, it sort of grew and then before we knew it, we, we had a chance to expand and I could, you know, get into the business um, and we did that and, that and that grew and grew and then Mark Mitchell, who's a physiotherapist, uh, he was working out of our same building and we sort of were all together and we kind of came across this space in the market which was missing and that was, you know, people getting injured and seeing him and then being able to come back to full training yep. with us. And um, we came up with this concept of eLab that gave everybody a personalised group training experience. So everyone who comes in gets a full body assessment, you know, breaks it down if you've had injuries with your legs, 
upper body, back, whatever. Every session you go to, there's notes on that person. And we know that if, Greg, if you come in and you can't do anything dynamic, even no matter what our group session is, we have to give you a second option to be able to you know, cater for your body because our whole purpose is to enhance the mental and physical health of as many people as we can. And, uh, and to make sure all our members are training pain-free, which isn't the case at a lot of gyms, unfortunately, but that's pretty much our goal. So all our sessions are run by either a physio, exercise physiologist, or you know, like one of the trainers that's been there for a long time. And um, yeah, we've had really good results of getting people fitter, stronger, healthier, um, but also moving pain-free. And for us, that's the biggest goal is to have everyone you know, running around, doing things that they should be able to do with their kids or sport or whatever, but not waking up like my tongue felt after. To 24 hours in the pool the other day. It's an interesting gym concept. I mean, it's got the who's who obviously going. There's a lot of people that I know that go that love it. And then I've recently gone away over Christmas and did the Boomerang Beach at Holland's in the family we stayed with actually trained there as well. I had no idea that they trained with you, but they just said they'd been to a lot of gyms to work and, and there's a bit of a special need that needs to be looked at with one of the people that hits the gym. And they just went, E-Lab was just something that they hadn't ever thought would exist in the gym world. And mate, did you have a special vision for that? Or what was your, I know you've, you talked about physios connecting with you guys and all that type of thing, but what to actually say, hey, great idea. And then to go, let's turn that into a commercial venture. That's two very different things. Yeah, what, I think. Did you have a model to go off? Did you have anything in? Nah, no. Like there was nothing in the space really when we came up with the idea i mean there was pilates and there was circuit training and there was strength training but it was just a lot of hard work and a lot of thought and process went into trying to fuse all those modalities of training into one and being able to offer a strength session that includes pilates or a cardio session that includes you know like core work and pilates and and then mixing them all together and we have days where they where all three are, you know strength cardio and pilates are yeah. all in the same session so it was just an idea that sort of grew and once we started doing the sessions ourselves we were like this is so much better than anything we've done before and you know mark's passion for for fixing people's bodies is second to none so that's always our driving force is how we can make people's bodies better and you know Trent's, you know, he trains some of the best athletes in the world. He trains a lot of the top jockeys and mm. he's now training uh, Harry Garside, the boxer, who's about to do some massive things in the boxing world. And, you know, a lot of a lot of those people go to him because he moves and he teaches people to move so well and so fluently. And, you know, like with those two guys to learn from myself, I found it really easy to pick up and try and take your game to the next level and, and push, push the, like that idea of training in a holistic approach, I guess, but still getting the basic needs of strength and cardio in with all the movement patterns that you need to be able to do it pain-free. And yeah, it's been a, been a great journey and we're, ever, we're always learning. And the one thing we're really focused on now is people's mental health as well as yeah, physical health because it's so such a, you know, such a big thing in today's society, how much people are struggling. So yeah, we all know the benefits of physical training, but that mixed in with uh, some, some really good mental health stuff and some neural stabilization work and some training sessions to release like in the nervous system and that sort of stuff people have really seen the benefits of it and yeah we've got a great community in the gym and we love it and that's why we keep coming back every day at 5am and making sure we're trying to get better ourselves so we can help more people that's awesome mate for people who want to check out elab how do they find it on instagram elab training or elabtraining.com and uh, that's our website you can come in check it out and yeah i mean we'd love to to fit more people in the gym we've got two up and running now in sydney one in Bronte area and one in Maroubra. Yeah, if we can continue to grow, that'd be amazing. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. That's awesome. So 
we jumped on this podcast. We, we talked about doing this podcast because we haven't got to it yet, like the English Channel Swim. And you reached out to Pico and I said, hey, guys, I want to go swim England. Can you jump on board and help me get there? And after Nathan and I went through the, gee, he's a fucking nut stuff and all the things, you know, all that <laughs> stuff and the things we normally say when <laughs> we get asked stuff like that. It's a really interesting play that you – do you want to tell us a story on, on like, like dig deep into what you're doing each day to get yourself ready for swimming in English Channel? Because most of us, like you say, we, we go to the gym in the morning, go to the gym in the Arvo, we have a program we do and we do what we do, but you have to live the life and you really can't experience until you dive in that day. It's a it's an interesting journey and it's one that you really find out in yourself whether you want to do something that you said you wanted to do or whether you just thought you wanted to do it. Um, That's a good idea on the beers. you've got to sign up and tell a few people, you can't really pull out, can you? Yeah. Um, but it's it's a journey that was inspired um, by Quindara and Luke Stewart. Uh, Luke's doing it again this year. He had his first crossing attempt two years ago with Quinn. Quinn got across and Luke didn't get a very favourable day and got seasick and sort of had a few things go against him and didn't make it across. And I was watching that and I was so inspired by the boys. And as I said, like, it's sort of the Everest of any person who does any swimming. And so, yeah, I was like, if he wants, if he thinks about going back and doing it again, I'll definitely jump in and, and give him a training buddy and someone to push him along because it's a lonely sport and, uh, and you definitely need a good support crew around you. And I've been lucky enough, you know, obviously Luke, but Quinn having been there and Murph Renford, whose dad did it, Des did it about 20 or 19 times or something like that. And yeah, I've got some really good people around me and some really strong swimmers that are helping me train. And and to that old saying of surround yourself with people that are better than you at something and you'll you'll generally improve is uh, is testament and to my swimming at the moment. I, I've started swimming with some really strong swimmers and they're pushing me to get faster and stronger and, and that just builds your mental strength. Yeah, once I get over there to England, it's it's going to be a whole nother challenge. Like it's cold, it's long, it's lonely. But if you've got a goal and you want to reach it, then all that kind of stuff just fails, like, you know, falls into the background and you've got one, your sight set on one thing and that's it. And, and nothing else really matters once I get to England and, and give it that crack to swim to France. And you, it's there's some rules too. You can't wear a wetsuit. You can't do a whole lot of things. Do you want to talk us through that? Yeah, I'm, yeah, you can only wear like Speedos, goggles and one swimming cap. So obviously when it gets real cold, people double up their swimming caps to keep their head warm and put wetsuits on. But in the channel, it's a really, and that's one of the things that's really endearing about to me is that it's so traditional. Even the paperwork that you're filling out has like old crests and emblems and all this kind of it makes you feel like it's been going for a long time which it has people first started trying to swim the English Channel quite a while ago and you know we I'd say we've got it a lot easier than they did back in the day like most sports with nutrition and guidance from people like yourself and you know nutritionists and all these things sports scientists and all these things that can help people achieve amazing things these days people didn't have that back 50 years ago whenever they started doing it so yeah it's a a big journey and as i said like i've always known from doing my other adventures like iron man and molokai and that stuff with you guys on board i'm fueled right my mind's right my body will handle whatever i try and put it through so yeah that's why when i reached out this year i was hoping you guys would jump on board and give me give me a kick up the bum to get across the channel and that's what I hope to do in August. <laughs> that's awesome. What's a day like? Are you, have you in, are you loading up on calories? Are you, have you changed your in the gym training, for example? Like what's what's changed for you? Yeah, I, like my in the gym training is probably a little bit more specific, just like a fair bit of back and shoulders work. That's kind of what I need to strengthen up, just yep. so that my tendons and you know muscles are strong enough to withstand 
putting them through long hours in the water. But yeah, most of my days literally still start at the gym like normal five five thirty start up at the gym, and I do a bunch of hours there training people and taking group classes, and then um, come mid morning when I get a break. Normally, instead of going home and hitting the lounge for a little bit, I now go to the pool and punch out K's in the pool. And yeah, as I said, with the group I've got around me, I'm always I've always got a swimming partner there, which helps. Yeah. And then I'll go back to work usually in the afternoon or and do stuff with the kids, and then try and hit a squad session again that night. So swimming at least once a day, if not twice. Some days, and then on the weekends, trying to get a big long ocean swim in. Yeah, so it's just about about building a base, and then you know making that base turn into quality k's, and then turn those quality k's into long quality k's, and then hopefully swim from England to France in August and party after. Yeah, I love that. I love that, <laughs> mate. What about your food? I mean, is it are you finding it harder to? I mean, you're you're a pretty fit guy who does who, who stays when, when you sw- swimmers. Long distance swimmers normally hold a little bit more body weight than uh, traditional fitness style. Are you are you struggling with food and the, the whole staying true to the program? Yeah, I mean you've got to walk around Bondi a little fatter than normal. That's what I'm saying. Like that's, that's yeah, and yeah. that's that's fine. How's that going for you? If someone puts me on a diet and eat as much as you can, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough because you're burning so many calories. Mm. Like we did the 24 hour swim relay, Luke and I, the other day, and I worked it out like off my watch that I burnt 14,000 calories wow. in a 24 hour period. So trying to fill put trying to put that back in your body is actually pretty hard yeah. um, without just eating pure rubbish. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a way of putting on weight which is just eating maccas and rubbish and you're not giving your body anything to work with though so trying to do it through veggies and good meals and fats and you know oils and whatever else um that i've got in my diet yeah it's eating a lot of food the good thing is i don't have to worry if i want to have a snack i can just pretty much eat whatever i want so there's no turning down an ice cream here or there but yeah it's tough i've put on about four kilos um since started the journey and I'll, I want to try and bulk up probably another four or five just in that last sort of six to eight week block. Yeah, so it'll be a lot of eating, a lot of smoothies, a lot of shakes, a lot of food and yeah, and a lot of training. So, And, and the more, the colder it gets and the more t- training you're doing cold water, you lose more weight because yeah. your body's working harder. So yeah, it's not going to be an easy process, but it's one that I'm I'm not, not looking forward to. You know, that's, I try, I'd rather be putting it on than trying to lose it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so come after. You watch those fighters, it's not a good lifestyle. Yeah, Mate, so, so when you get to England and you're about to dive in, what's the water temp going to be? Generally, on average, it's probably about 16 degrees. Ooh, um, it is cold. But for someone like yourself who gets to surf in board, he's on the Gold Coast most of the year, Greg, you wouldn't be happy about that. don't think I've ever experienced 16 degrees, no. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's cold enough that you definitely want a wetsuit, but you don't have one. So, yeah, yeah it, like our winter, I guess, in Sydney. Yep is kind of similar 16 degrees and yeah it's it's refreshing to dive into freezing when you're in there for 12 hours so you see pictures when you go when you look up the, the channel swim there's there's guys and girls covered in vaseline and all types of scenarios is, are you doing the same thing yeah i'll um there's like a mixture of a bunch of different things they call it channel grease channel um, grease okay yeah, and it gets made like at a compound chemist and they put it all together and it's got like sort of Vaseline-y petroleum stuff for your armpit, like for your chafe. Yep. Um, it's also got some zinc in it for sunscreen because um, that's the other thing. You're in yeah, the water exactly. in the day for 10 hours and, and you, you can't touch the boat or you can't, you know, you've got no assistance in any way to, to re-cream or to put zinc on your face. So the chance of coming out pretty fried at the other end looking pretty horrendous is 
is like about a dollar to one dollar to one. So yeah, uh, yeah but it, it's just a. I'm not. I don't. Th- I think they've sort of gone away from like covering the whole body in that lard a little bit. Like it's more just your neck and shoulders and and sort of that area around mate, more your vital organs around your core that they'll they'll work on there and mate whatever they want to put on me if it helps me get across I'll wear it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And mate, are there, are there sharks, jellyfish, all the normal things in the water? In that space? The one positive is it's not known for its sharks. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a really good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good thing. Um, so, yeah, that's that's probably the biggest benefit yeah. of, uh, of doing the crossing. My wife has a real thing for sharks. And if I go for a swim anywhere, we try and plan a family holiday. She starts looking at, like, shark attacks in that area before she looks <laughs> at flights and accommodation. But, yeah, so that's that's a positive. There's jellyfish. There's, you know, obviously a lot of pol- like, pollution. It's a big major shipping lane. There's going to be a few obstacles along the way hopefully the stingers aren't too bad and the pollution's all right and made all those things are kind of minor when you look at the whole goal and the process you've been through and the journey so far like if i get stung a few times i'll, I'll take that i love your mindset it's probably be like a little wake-up call too just quietly like oh yep i'm back <laughs> yeah don't drift off too far they definitely are <laughs> when you hit by one of them in the water they let you know mate mm. so as part of that on the weekend you did a 24-hour swim but the really cool thing was you're doing it for ocean heroes and that that's a yeah. i mean it's a it's not the most known charity in the world but they've got a really Really good vision. Yeah, it's um yeah, when I when I decided to do the channel and I knew I'd want to raise money for a charity, I got onto Ocean Heroes and, and it resonated with me so much. It was a couple of young guys from WA that kicked it off, uh, three of them over there and and that started in a space, one of them was a personal trainer training kids on the spectrum and he realised pretty quickly that they don't get a lot of opportunities to, to do sport or to experience things that you know other kids do and he, he organised, he got his mates together and they organised to take some kids uh, living with autism for a surf and he said it was like, it was incredible and, and the parents got so much out of it as well seeing their kid, who'd never, some of them had never been in the ocean before um, because their parents didn't know how to approach that and, and the joy that they got out of it and so it's Sort of kicked off and they've been going over in WA for a while and the, and the guys that run it are just the most passionate legends um, and so for me to be able to and Luke to be able to sort of help and raise some money to get it going over here on the east coast we're going to set up like a Sydney chapter of it I guess and, oh, nice. and that'll be out of us kind of New South Wales and I mean hopefully we can grow Queensland, Victoria and there, there are so many kids living with autism that you know it's way more common than than people know about so it's um it's a really big big thing for us to be able to get that going and to be able to help out and you know to when we see the smiles on kids faces once we have our first event it's going to be it's going to be incredible yeah that's unreal mate that's such a great a, a great mission for you too you know like how, and how'd you go on the weekend did you you obviously you swam the 24 you raised some good money and everyone's high-fiving yeah the, the weekend was better than i ever thought it would be i didn't think about it as that much in the planning of it there was so much to do to organize it and get it you know the bondi icebergs were incredible in giving us the pool they've never yeah, done that before that. no one's ever swum 24 hours in the pool before so we had one of the ladies on the like who works down there Lindsay. she was incredible in getting things organized for us on that side and reedy also jumped in and, and pretty much took the reins of organizing everything on land so yeah. that luke and i could concentrate on swimming and uh, our wives were there like the whole time as well sort of organizing our feeds and kind of trying to get us to get some sleep in between so we did a 12 24 hour relay so 12 hours each and it was brutal like it was mentally very tough to get up at you know 3 a.m after having only like two hours out three hours out of the water and go again and yeah. do that time and time again um but successfully like in terms of success we raised uh, you know a lot of money for for to kickstart our campaign and it's a really good 
you know, kickstart, as I said, to, to raising the 100 grand that we need to raise to get the Sydney chapter of Ocean Heroes going. And with all the equipment, the boards are, you know, like these big boards, they're like 1700 bucks each for a kid to, to, to surf on. Yeah. So all these things, wetsuits, life jackets, all the stuff, a cart, like a van and a trailer to transport it all. So a lot's going to go into it. And, and the weekend was just a testament to our community around here that we could raise so much money in doing something that we kind of got to use as a training run. I'd never swum near 12 hours before. Um, yeah. And even though we had breaks uh, and we could get some food and stuff in, it was still a great test of the body. I swam over 42 kilometres in that time. Wow. The pool was pretty rough. There was a fair bit of swell floating over yeah, the sides of the pool. So, yeah, it was kind of good. To, it was a good test for, for us mentally and physically. And the body's pulled up really good. So I'm, uh, I'm keen to get back into some swimming later in the week, give the body a few days to recover and then start building again for swim the Gold Coast at the end of May. Yep. And then, um, yeah, over to England in August. Nice. And Pico was telling me the busiest times for your companion swimmers was that midnight to 4, p- 4 a.m. slot. Yeah, we had a really good show of support at that time. And I think a couple of reasons. One, our mates and family knew that that would be the hardest times for yep. us. So they were sort of like, oh, I'll put my hand up and go down. And then for any other local swimmers, they were like, we've never been able to swim in the Bergs at midnight. <laughs> so I'm coming down to experience something Bring different there. Yeah, it was awesome to... To see so many people go out of their way to make our day a success was really moving for us. And, um, yeah, it was, it was good. We had a great, great function after it and a couple of beers, which kind of stung going down on a, <laughs> on a shredded tongue. But, um, it was, yeah, it was really good. The auctions, like Mick Fanning donated a board and, you know, local, local businesses gave vouchers for restaurants and stuff like that and the roosters got behind it and gave a jersey and victor radley came down and gave us some boots and uh, james tedesco donated signed boots so it was a lot awesome. of people put in to make the day successful so it was yeah we're really proud of what we did and it was a good good start to the journey and uh we're uh we're pumped for the next sort of five months and uh and then you know we should be done and dust and hopefully two successful channel crossings one for me one for luke yeah that's all. do you both go in at the same time yeah, we're work? both scheduled for the same week. Yep. We've got different boats, like yep. different support boats, but we are scheduled in the same week. So it'll just come down to each captain thinking what day is going to be most suited for our, our swimming. Um, so, yeah, it'll come. Yeah, it'll be within a few days of each other, though, that's for sure. So fingers crossed we're both over there able to celebrate with a couple of beers and a, and a big feed. Yeah, exactly. Mate, you're an absolute legend. I, I can never spend enough time talking to you. You just you inspire and motivate me every time I talk to you. And just want to send a big love to you and your family and uh, keep it up, mate, like you're doing great things for good people. And it's really appreciated. Mate, thank you very much for the support. It's been nearly 10 years, I think, since we first joined forces when we tried the uh, Ironman down in Melbourne there. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, a long way, to, you know, whatever crazy things we can come up with next, I'm up for it. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for your support and thanks for having me on. And yeah, hopefully uh, we'll be able to chat at the end of August or September and I'll uh, have successfully crossed the channel and think of the next journey. Nice. I think I found some old video the other day of a certain triathlon trip that was done uh, with a few of you boys. I'll, I'll dig it out and I send it back to you. Port Macquarie. <laughs> yeah. I think you might have made us a special swimsuit for the loser of that, that event. I did. It was a lovely pink colour and it didn't yeah, have a lot of material. Reedy still got that. He still wears it around his yeah. backyard. Yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Hey, mate, um, love the family. Thanks for coming on board, and we're really proud of what you're doing. Keep it up. Thanks a lot, guys. Big love to the Body Science family. It's a pleasure to be a part of it, and uh, look forward to whatever comes next.